Micah. Hey, Streety. Hello, everybody. We are back for episode number 51 of 2021. We're finally back. It's the 10th of March, 2021, and it's been a little while since we got together, but we're here, aren't we? That's right. Not because of a, uh, a lack of uh, sporting content out there, but just uh, life schedules tend to uh, get carried away. And, and um, But, you know, it just means well, there's, uh, there's more to summarise before we get started on the main course tonight. I think we've both been experiencing a, uh, a, a common phenomenon that seems to happen in the world today where everybody's life is 10 times busier than it was this time last year because everything that was cancelled is now occurring again. So that's right. You've got different stuff on. I've got different stuff on. We haven't been able to get together to talk about sport, and we're disappointed about it. But we're back today, and we're pumped. So that's it. Ready to go. We've got plenty to get through, don't we, Streety? That's right. And uh, the main feature of tonight will be our season preview for the 2021 NRL season. Season 2021. Um, might be a little bit different than the yeah. past. What do you think? Mate, I think it will be. I think the thing is, is that um, last year, because of the fact that the season finished so late, uh, the players haven't had as much of a rest and there's been a bit of player movement around the league. And and I think it's going to take a while for teams to settle back into their rhythm, mate, because I, I think they're kind of there will be some some kind of lethargy and and a, and a bit of difficulty in trying to get people to adjust. So yeah, yeah. So I don't know. What do you think? Are you looking forward to it or what? Yeah, I am actually. Um, it'd be good to have some crowds back. I know there were some crowds towards the end of the season with some finals. Grand final had forty thousand, so that was nice. Hmm. Um, it's virtually going to be back to back to normal, I think, isn't it? Um, crowd numbers in New South Wales? Yeah, I believe that there's no restriction on crowd numbers. Um, so I think that they are allowed to have full houses if they are. But I think, yeah, yeah. from my understanding, I think you're still allowed to... You, you, yeah, I don't think there will be a big impact, basically. Yeah. Hmm. You know, much like the NBA, we might see a bit of a... Um, <clears throat> a more of an even sort of spread in terms of the win-loss column. You're always going to have teams, you know, one or two teams at the top who, mm-hmm. are, you know, have a really sort of uh, big disparity between wins and losses, same as your wooden spooners. But, you know, probably from teams four through 12, I, I don't think there's going to be a big difference in in the points at the end of the year. In, and when I say points, I mean competition points. Yeah. So um, I, I think, you know, the, mid, the middle pack of teams uh, probably is going to provide some of the most entertainment um, mm. in terms of, you know, um, where teams will ultimately finish uh, in the top eight. Mm. Um, I found it kind of odd that Cameron Smith left it to the day before the season started to actually retire. Yeah, so that, that's probably the biggest controversy around the league at the moment is for the last couple of weeks, there's been a few questions asked about, well, one, was Cameron going to play? And two, where is Cameron? And he popped up today with a retirement announcement. Yeah. I mean, <coughs> there's, think... been lots of Cameron, there's been lots of Cameron sightings up in... He's mm-hmm. obviously moved back to Queensland and yeah, he's on, on the Gold, Gold Coast. Coast. Yeah, yeah. So there's been, you know, he's been dropping into some trial games here and there and maybe he's just trying to fuck the Titans by, you know, and help the Storms case by... You know, um, playing a bit of uh, stringing the Titans along, and mm. you know, and then uh, so that means the Titans can't go and you know recruit someone else. They can't go sign Jerome Hughes and all that sort of stuff. You know, the stuff that was rumored towards 
at the end of last year, if, if Cameron Smith was going to stay with Melbourne, then Melbourne can't afford to keep everybody. Yep. Um, so maybe he just he, he played a bit of fox with everyone and helped help the storm in the process. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he may do. I mean, you know, like that's a you know that's a fair theory, I guess. I don't know. Like, I mean, I find it unusual that he wouldn't have known before now that he was going to retire. I mean, I hundred um, percent think he was going to retire in the, mm. the semi final last year. He got carried off the field at, at uh, in Brisbane. You know, like, yeah. I yeah. kind of almost think this whole process was a little bit self indulgent. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why play again if you get carried off in a semi final and you win the grand final the following week? And yeah, this is you hold every other record, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so why would you want to bother, right? So, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, uh, like, you know, I very much respect what the guy did within the game, like, he was an amazing player. And you know, I think, uh, for me, you know, he will be an immortal at some stage, no doubt. Um, he will have, you know, a lot of things kind of uh, given to him, you know, in, in recognition for his service to the game. But, yes, yeah, it's certainly a very unusual way to go out. I, you know, whether he was just sitting back at home thinking about whether he wanted to play. Uh, the boys have been in pre-season training for a long time, right? So, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, he's, he's the sort of guy, you couldn't really imagine him playing with someone else and mm. maybe puts a bit of a... Bit of a, a cheapening sort of effect if he had to join the Titans for a year or two. You know, I can't, I yeah. wouldn't imagine he would have played two years with the Titans if he had, no. a, in fact, gone there. It would have been one year, but he yeah. played, you know, 12, 13, 14 years with the one club and one year with someone else. Like it's almost like, you know, I mean, the Titans aren't going to win the comp this year. No. Bit, bit of a uh, teaser. No. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I think that probably highlights who's, who's not one of the teams in your top eight then. So, but, yeah. uh, yeah, no, look, I agree. I think it's interesting. I mean, good luck to him in retirement. I think uh, I think the other team that will probably be a little bit disappointed might be the Brisbane Broncos because, geez, they could have used him, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, in reality, mate, I don't see them getting off the bottom of the table. There's another teaser for you. So, mm. of where my predictions are sitting. But, mate, I can't. I just can't see them doing anything special this year at all. So Yeah. Um, uh, NRL have introduced a couple of rule changes for this year. Yep. Tell me what they are. No, no. Well, uh, let me have like let me see if I can run run through them. This is why we need Nuggety. We should probably acknowledge the fact that Nugget's not here, right? So um, yeah, Nugget. He is at um, a rural bushfire brigade committee meeting, and who knows what they're yeah. talking about? Probably how many waffle sausages to have on their fundraiser this weekend, and yep, yeah, exactly, sort of stuff. I mean, you know, and fire season's pretty much come. They have done nothing this summer. It's, it's rained the whole summer. They'll need to assign responsibilities, like who's going to bring in the Zuper Dupers, like and, and refill those when they get used. So yeah. anyway, much oh. respect to the fireys. So here you go. Probably the biggest one here is um, field goals. <coughs> yeah, two, two, two points for field goals mm. outside the forty meter line. Do you like it yeah. or love it? Uh, mate, actually, I like it. I think it's Same. pretty good. Yeah, it's I pretty hard that's... to kick a field goal from forty meters out. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's probably unlikely that anybody at this stage will be able to slot them from that far out consistently. So, but I wouldn't mind seeing people have a shot, like, you know, bring the old fit. I remember actually playing the rugby league video game and playing against friends who, whenever they'd make a break and be on their way to scoring a try, they'd stop and kick a field goal. I think if you did it from outside 40 metres, go for it. So, yeah, I like that. That's a good one. What else have they done, Stringy? Uh Six again for 10 metre infringement. So how many times oh, do you yeah. see a defensive team just lay on a tackle um, yeah. 
get and get a penalty and you know are happy to give up the two points mm-hmm. you know and then the players talk the captain you know goes our job we weren't doing anything wrong blah blah, blah. just it's terrible to watch so yeah, yeah. they have implemented <clears throat> this to reduce stoppages in the game so well, so this particular one is like around one. is around six again for 10 meter infringements last year I think they introduced this particular ruling for lying on the, the tackled player, right? Like that was yeah. kind of so. This this is kind of an extension of that rule, where if you're continually offside, like or if you're offside, then actually it won't be blown a penalty. It'll be you're immediately then, you know, having another set of six against you. So um, yeah, yeah. So the logic is um, mm. this this uh, so the six again rule provided. The last year's uh, a fairly sufficient deterrent for teams yeah, yeah. who purposely sought a penalty to slow the game. Um, yeah. Some teams did it better than others, aka Melbourne, um, and often yeah. didn't get penalised for it. Where some teams got pinged for it a lot. Mm. Um, now the new rule was trialled in two games during uh, the end of last year, and um, I guess the NRL is hoping is that this will result in a fast game with less stoppages yeah. and more free flowing action for fans, which is all well and good for us supporters. Hmm. But how does that impact on the big guys, the forward pack? Does, well, do, you, do, you give a, do you care? Oh, I do because because it's changing the nature of the game. Um, you know, the the front row forwards need to now be fitter, now be more durable, now be able to kind of play through. So I think you will still continue to see because the fatigue factor is going to continue to play in. I I care about it in the sense of, I think it's going to have a big impact on the game, but I'm kind of excited to see it go that way at the same time. Yeah. Um, so, like, I, I, like I did really enjoy the continuity of the game last year when, when you know, that ruling was implemented and, and teams were able to get free-flowing straight from those type of infringements. It took that rubbish out of it. And, mm. and so I think anything that speeds the game up is, is, a, is a good thing, you know? So yeah, um, yeah. So so it's interesting. Then and then there's a few changes around scrums. Yep, um, I like this one. Scrums, you know, we're often called to get rid of them, but the RL Commission determined scrums as part of the game's DNA. Of course. Um, so to increase the integrity of scrums, yep. instead of getting rid of them, getting rid of them, the ref will call break. When yep. satisfied, the ball is out of a scrum. So mm. I suppose um, that just sets it more up for the attacking players. Um, I'm not sure what happens if a lock forward <coughs> picks the ball up out of the scrum. Yep. Um, how, how that'll work, but I guess uh, that'll someone will try that in the first couple of rounds. Probably get pinged for yeah. it. So. Yeah, so players will not be permitted to break from a scrum until the referee makes a call. Where players break before the call of break, the referee will award a full penalty. The team mm. receiving the penalty will also have the option of repacking the scrum. Why? Why would you just not kick for touch? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, you just yeah, you take that every time, right? Unless right. you're ten meters out. Well, well, that just takes the quick tap out of it, then, doesn't it? Weird. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so here we go. Play the ball restart after ball, or player finds touch. When a ball is kicked or carried into touch, play will resume with a play the ball rather than a scrum. Good. Hmm. Um. Handover for incorrect play the ball. A handover will be ordered where players do not make a genuine attempt to play the ball with their foot. Andrew Fafida, watch out. He's the game's <laughs> biggest offender. 
he might uh, be leading the leading the league in turnovers for incorrect play the balls. <laughs> yeah, I think he probably is. So now this yeah. is a new. Now this next one is a is an interesting new one, mate. Where captains challenge. Yep. Right? So this has come into a lot of sports. Captains challenge, coaches challenge. Oh, I don't know who else wants to challenge. Someone can challenge. But what do you think of this one? In a case where a captain's challenge review is inconclusive, the on-field decision will stand, but the team will retain their challenge, right? So what does that even mean, right? So fans have expressed frustration with teams losing a challenge where replays prove inconclusive. Anyway, so... I think, I think that's fair enough, but I also think teams will find a way to, to exploit that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if, if, if it's... You know, if do you want to, you know, if, if you know that it's uh, a 50-50 call and it's getting late in the game and you, and you need a, you know, you, you, you need to give your forward pack a bit of a, a break or a spell, you know, yeah. call the captain's challenge, mm-hmm. um, and then you know it could could prove to be a a master stroke that way. Give yep. the team a rest, defend a set, you know, hold a team out from scoring, get another other end kicker, forty meter field goal, win win the game by one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. Yeah, well. Bunker reviews the banes <laughs> of our existence. Seems like they go yeah. to but the referees lack the courage to call a try unless it's intercept and they run the whole length and no one touches them. So where the on-field referee believes a try is scored, the referee will award a try and the bunker will review the decision in the background. A conversion attempt will not be permitted until the bunker is satisfied a try has been scored. I guess that just speeds things up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think it just basically speeds it up a little bit. It's also not a killjoy on the crowd enjoying the moment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah, probably makes sense. Trainers, <laughs> a.k.a. the Roosters' 14th player on the field in the grand final from uh, 2019. So, trainers, in 2021, where a trainer asks a match official to stop the game for an injury, and this happened in a semi-final with the Storm, uh, the injured player must be either interchanged or taken off the field for a period of two minutes of elapsed game time before he's permitted to resume his place in the, on the field. Excellent. This might, might be one of the best things they've done. I think this is a great move, to be honest. I think this is one of the ones that, <clears throat> that really pissed a lot of people off because it was used to such good effect from a gamesmanship perspective. Yeah. Um, and, and I think this, this rule had to be made. You know, the, They needed to do something about this. And yeah. uh, I, I'm very happy with this. This is a fantastic ruling, I think. Yeah. So I'm a fan. Yeah. yeah. So so yeah. Well done, NRL. I'm 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 very very pleased with that ruling. So yeah. Yeah. Um. And so that's it for the rules. Let's yep. talk about how we think the 2021 season is going to play out. So okay. we'll go from uh, from <clears throat> from from the back to the top, right? So let's just start with who we think is going to win the wooden spoon, or you know, be so terrible they'll finish last. Who who okay. who's your wooden spooner for this year? My wooden spooner for this year is the Newcastle Knights. Ooh. Yeah, I'm I'm I may not I'm not doing this deliberately because Nugget's not here and he's a big fan of the Knights. <laughs> what I'm basing this prediction on, Streety, is. The wooden spoon team. Now, this I think will be a close race with the Brisbane Broncos, but yep. but the Broncos won it last year, and I think Kevin Walters will at least inspire them to a couple more wins. But I think the Newcastle Knights are a team divided 
after the Mitchell Pierce saga last year, late last yep. year. Yeah. Um, and I think they are a team that will go backwards before they'll go forwards. And I think that divide within the playing group will start to show throughout the year. And I think they won't be able to string wins together. And I think they'll have a rough year. I genuinely believe the Newcastle Knights will win the wooden spoon this year. Yeah, that'd be a bit of a tough pill to swallow for the Novocastrians. Um, yeah. I do find it odd, they do. given all this, Mitchell Pearce on a one-year extension, albeit at a discounted rate. Yeah. Um, I did have a prediction at the start of this year that Mitchell Pearce wouldn't make the June 30 deadline, which has now been extended. They've changed that. But, yeah. um, you know, let's say you know the halfway point of 2021 that he'd be yeah. entertaining or taking off of the Super League and, and maybe... Maybe the the, the, the re-signing in <laughs> a discounted deal means that it's an easy contract to get out of and take a more lucrative one in in the UK. So I'm still going to stand by that uh, that prediction. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think the Knights are going to be as good as what a lot of people are thinking. It would yeah. take a pretty special year from um, Kalen Pongo. He's obviously got to stay injury free. Yeah. Um, they did get was it Jake Clifford from the Cowboys. Um, yeah. So he'll be there. Is he their fullback? What, what positions he playing? Five eight or fullback? Uh, fullback, I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Pong, Pong is a five eight. Well, no, actually, I, yeah. Well, I think Ponga had his time at five eight last year, right? When he chose to try and do that, well, and it just didn't work. So, I yeah. think I think Ponga is probably still. You'll probably find him at fullback. I would suggest. So, yeah. 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 Well, for me, my wooden spooners are the St. George Dragons. Oh, yeah. Um, I think they have made the incorrect <clears throat> coaching hire by getting Anthony Griffin. Oh, yeah. I, I, I've never rated him as a coach. I think yep. um, he is an abrasive personality. Yep. Um, with an old school um, coaching method. And I, I just don't think he has the roster to support, um, support his sort of, you know, his, his philosophies. Um mm. You know, Jack Bird's back there, but he he's a bit broken now. He's a bit of a shell of of what he was when he was younger. They they lost their best player, Cam McInnes, who you know ironically signed with Cronulla, then does his knee, he's out for the year. Um, there was talk that the Dragons were ready to let him go, um, and and signed with the Sharks this year. But then he got injured in a trial, so uh, lost for both clubs, I think. Mm. Um, you know, McInnes is kind of almost the Dragons' heart and soul. Um, so a rebuilding year for St. George and uh, definite wooden spooners for me. Yeah, right. That's not a bad pick. Who did Nugget pick for the wooden spoon? Nugget, I'll tell you, because he sent a message. We asked him. All right. Um, in his words, he, he said Boncos, the Boncos. So we're going to assume the Brisbane Broncos. Right, okay. So for us then, the most likely wooden spooners were... Obviously, I had the Knights, you had the Dragons, and he has the Broncos. Yep. Righto. All right. Well, what do, you, what do you think? Do you want to do your top eight, or do you want to do who you think will win straight? Well, I think another couple of teams that I think, you know, are going to underperform, you know, I've, got the, I've said the Knights. I also think a team that might uh, struggle a little bit will be Manly. Okay. Um, yep. I, I have grave concerns over Tommy Turbo and his hamstrings. I think uh, so. He's he, out. He's out, isn't he out for the first part of the year? With like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So Tommy Turbo is a greyhound trying to run a Melbourne Cup. Basically, um, yeah. he's a great athlete, but I just think he is carrying too much muscle on his frame. Yep. Um, 
and I think that's the source of his, of his hamstring problems. He, his body's just generating too much power or trying mm. to generate too much power, but he's got too much mass. Um, and as a result, he, he's, he's, you know, he's, he's pulling his hammies. If he was 10, 12 kilos lighter and didn't have that mass on him, I, I promise you this, that, you know, I'm no sports science, but he wouldn't be having these hamstring injuries, mm. but he also wouldn't be able to uh, take the contact in the tackle. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, Tommy Turbo's time at Manly, um, you know, might be he's, – he's a good player when he's on, but uh, I think he's, he's he's injured too much. And yeah. Matt Moyland is uh, very similar. He's a, You know, they're both whippets. Yep. Um, good athletes, very light in their feet, but, you know, Moyland as well had a lot of hamstring problems. And I just think for guys like that, they're just carrying too much muscle in their frame and their body just can't – they're not built like that. And, and yeah. something's got to give and they're, you know – that's uh so that, that that's manly's you know the the turbo brothers are their heart and soul so yeah absolutely yeah struggles, <clears throat> struggling times for the seagulls yeah they're going to be in some drama i think i don't think they'll make the eight yeah. so yep yep definitely um all right so we'll go with uh i've got a definite top top six okay um yep and i've got some uh competition for my seventh and eighth spot all right well, hit me with your seventh and eighth spot competition then. Let's start there. Who do you think will just scrape in? All right. So for my seventh and eighth, I think the teams competing for that are the West Tigers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, they've got a decent coach, but the reports are he works them pretty hard. So um, they don't tend to sort of, you know, like Griffin after too long. Uh, what's yep. his name? Uh, Madge, rather. Yep. yep. Um, a lot of raps on the Gold Coast Titans, but I just don't think they're quite. Yeah, they might start fast out of the blocks. Yeah. Um, but I think a bit of a lack of experience might get them. Um, yep. But they'll they'll be in the mix for the eight. I'm not yep. saying they're not going to make it, but they're definitely not a top four side. Sure. Or a top six side, like a lot of people are picking them. Yep. Um, unlike you, I have the Broncos in the mix. I don't mm. think they'll make the eight, um, but they'll sort of be in that sort of you know. 8 to 12 range. Yeah. Uh, and same as the Knights. I think the Knights have too much talent to be a wooden spooning team. Yeah. Um, once they, you know, Mitchell Pierce eventually leaves, as, as I predicted, uh, they might write the ship a little bit. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, that's, uh, you know, the, the Warriors, they're playing a lot of games away from home. You know, that, that they'll win a few. They might cause an upset or two, but I don't think they're, they're a finals contender. Yeah. Um, and the other... Team um, that team that I predict will have a disappointing season, Parramatta. Parramatta, yep, yep, and the Cowboys. So are these all teams that you think will be competing for that particular. They'll be competing for seven eight. Mm-hmm. Um, Parramatta, especially, um, you know, probably will be. They'll be a disappointment in terms of their expectations of where they've been and, and, and what they should do. I, I think yeah. this, you know, we often talk about coaches, uh, the first coach to be sort of lose their job. Mm-hmm. I think going into the season, the, the the hottest seat belongs to Brad Arthur, Paramount yep. coach. Yep. Yeah, I think. Uh, you think he'll be one of the, he'll be the first to go? Like, is that your prediction, or you just think he's? Yeah, going to yeah. Be I, I, I don't think Parramatta is going to set the world on fire, and I, I think Brad Arthur will be the first first coach to mm. lose his job for the year. Okay. Yeah. So with all those teams uh, mentioned, then we've got to have a top six, right? Yep. I yep. think the best team in the comp this year for the regular season rounds. I'm tipping the Bunnies to be minor premiers. Okay. 
Um, you know, they, they've added oh, Benji yeah. Marshall. Not you know he will be a good sort of reserve sort of off, off the bench type guy. Mm. A really great addition and Josh Mansour um, on the wing. Yep. Um, and Souths are pretty loaded across the park. A lot, a lot of talent. Um, you know, and they're, they're they're a fun team to watch. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Penrith are too good not to be back in the mix. Um, so mm-hmm. I've got them as a top four side. Roosters as well. Same as the Raiders. I think the Raiders will be good again. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Raiders are in the final four this year, battling for a grand final spot. My biggest surprise of the top eight, uh, I tipped them last year to come ninth, but they came eighth, uh, is the Cronulla Sharks. Oh. So the reason why I think that the Sharkies will do better this year than what they did last year is a number of their veterans are in contract years. Right. Uh, Moylan, Dugan, Fafita. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. One of those guys I think won't see the season out. Um, okay. But I think two of those guys will probably perform fairly well. Which yep. two, I'm not sure. Yep. Um, all of them will have injuries at some point this year. Um, but I think, you know, that, that extra year for the younger guys with the Sharks and a motivated uh, coach, he's also one of the guys on the hot seat a little bit. And, um, you know, some veterans with some things to prove, most likely Moylan, um, wanting to prove his hamstrings right. I think the Sharkies are going to fall in that six to seven range this year. Okay. Uh, they were a better team on paper than what they actually performed last year. Yeah. Um, but I think, uh, you know, they've got some young guys, some good finishes. And so I think they have the ability to score a lot of points. I wouldn't be surprised if they're one of the top attacking teams. They're yep. not, not very good defensively, but uh, definitely a top six team in my opinion. Yep. Um, I've got the Storm in there. I think losing Cameron Smith, obviously, will we'll probably peg them a couple of rungs lower on, on the ladder. Yep. Um, but they're still damn good, you know. Like they're, they're almost like, you know, pl- plug and play for the Storm. They've got guys in the wings, you know, another superstar's re- ready to come in and uh, make a name for themselves. Yep. Uh, another also ran become a you know a um, a rep play before too long. So, so that that's my top six: South Penrith Roosters, Raiders, Shark Storm, and yep. then uh, out of my teams to make that eight. It's a tough call, but I'm going to go with uh, the Tigers. I think a Jew, and I will also take <clears throat> the ti- uh, Parramatta for eighth. Right after a coaching change. So that means the Knights are going to not make the eight in your prediction? They'll finish ninth. Yeah, okay. Right. Where are, yeah. And where are the Bulldogs? The Bulldogs were a team that I have on the up, mm. but I think they're a year ahead of um, really making a bit of an impression. I think next year, 2022, is going to be when the Doggies uh, really, you know, start to uh, make their climb. But they're going to show some signs this year and – um, I think their recruiting isn't done. Um, I think yep. they'll probably make a couple of big signings this year. Yeah. Um, and I expect them to begin their reign of uh, climbing up around one of the, the top teams from next year. But uh, they'll show signs this year. Definitely not Wooden Spooners. Yeah, no, look, I think I, I, I don't think we'll win the Wooden Spoon, but we'll probably do fuck all else. I don't think we're going to go very good. So, yeah. anyway, that's just the way it goes. So, doesn't matter. So, all right, who's Nugget got in his eight? Let's so Nugget's top eight is number one, Storm, mm-hmm. Rabbitohs, yep. Roosters, Panthers, yep. Raiders, mm-hmm. Knights, Eels and Titans. Right. Okay. His, his eight's pretty much exactly the same as mine, except yep. we're swapping 
the Knights. I've got he's got the Knights at six. I got the Sharks at six. Yep. And I've got the uh, Knights at ninth, and he doesn't. He's probably okay. the last. Yeah. Right. Okay. Mine is the Panthers at number one. They're going to yep. win the minor premiership, and I think they're going to win the grand final. Mind you, so I'll tip you into that right now. I think the Storm will be second, and the Rabbitohs will be third. And I think the Roosters will round out the top four. Yeah. Um, I think the Raiders and the Sharks yep. will be fighting it out for fifth and sixth. I think the Eels will make the eight, only just. And then I think that actually, I think that the Warriors will then make the eight. Okay. Yeah. So that means the Titans miss out. The Knights obviously miss out because they're winning the wooden spoon. Sea Eagles, Broncos. Cowboys. Cowboys, they're and out. And the Bulldogs. Yeah. yeah, and the Bulldogs. Unfortunately, I reckon we're doing nothing this year. We're not doing a thing. So we'll be lucky to score. I don't think expectations on the Bulldogs to do. You know, nah. they've got a couple of – they've got Flano, they've got Young Halves, and, you know, they've got a new coach. But I think, you know, you can't, you can't really judge someone like Barrett on, on his first year taking over a team. Yeah, it's what he does through years two, three, and four is is where you, you really have to make your judgment. Yeah, I agree. And James, I mean, it's um, uh, sorry, um, Trent Barrett's basically got a couple of free passes for a couple of years. Yeah, no, I don't think Penrith released Matt Burton for twenty twenty one anyway, so he's coming twenty twenty two. Yeah, exactly right. So I think we'll be better in a year or two, but we're just we're not going to be very good now. Yeah. What do you make of the Warriors' uh, request of the proposal to the NRL for next year, 2022, Mm -hmm. to play 20 home games in New Zealand uh, from next year? Do you think that's that's fair enough? Uh, I think you can make the request, but I don't think it'll happen. I don't um, don't think it happened, but I I think it's. uh, I I think hmm. they should. Yeah. Look, it's it's not a bad request, right? Like, I mean, you know, like. uh, Largely, yeah, you might as well make that request to try and see what you can kind of do. So, yeah, um, yeah. Full props to the Warriors for for making it happen again this year. But um, I, I just think that extended time away from home, you know, ultimately is gonna is gonna affect those guys more than than what we tend to give them, you know, credit for. Yeah, yeah absolutely, uh, you know, definitely. For those guys, family family plays a, a pretty pretty central role in their lives, and um, you know. As yep. it does for everybody, but uh, especially you know Polynesian sort of guys. Um, and, yeah, I think uh, the last couple of years have been pretty hard on them as a club. You know. Um, yeah. So you know, and, uh, and like, mm. they also became everyone's second favorite team as well. They had some great wins last year, and yeah, absolutely. You know, it's fair to say that if it wasn't for the Warriors, there probably wouldn't have been a comp. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think they made a hell of a lot of um, sacrifices to make it happen, mm. and I think you know they should certainly make the request. I don't think they'll be able to get 20 home games, but certainly getting more home games than, you know, than away games. Yeah, I mean, a good compromise might be 16. And maybe a condition, you know, of uh, of that would be, you know, we'll go, okay, well, we want to grow the game. We want to take some of rugby's market share away. And so, you know, we'll we'll give you 16 home games. Mm. You can play your normal games in Auckland, but the remaining, you know, four or six games, you have to play in Wellington. You have to go play... You know them in the South Island in, in, in rugby sort of you know yeah. strongholds and, and yeah. try and you know win some markets here that way and and take some teams uh, there. Yeah, um, yeah, NRL are doing something similar this year. Uh, I know the Cronulla have a home game in Coffs Harbour. Yep. 
Um, they, they're playing out of uh, Cogra Jubilee, St. George's um, ground. Now, supposedly, the Legs Club is under construction now. Okay. I've always said Cronin would never go back to Shark Park. Um, <laughs> they might still, but, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're taking games elsewhere outside of that St. George sort of uh, basin. Um, yep. So Coffs Harbour's a good move. There's also games in Tamworth this year um, and a few other regional places, which is good. Mm. Oh, well, there you go, eh? Yeah. Well, it's going to be a big year, Street. So who's going to win it? Oh, yeah. So if I had to pick a grand final today, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to have to go with Souths and Penrith. Okay. Souths yep. and Penrith. Right, yeah. Yeah. And so what, the Storm might be back there? I think teams uh, – so your top four, I, I said earlier that I think the Raiders can make uh, a prelim. Yeah. And I think, um, <coughs> you know – Battling out for that fourth, so that that last prelim spot, you know, um, Storm potentially, yeah, um, and maybe the Roosters. Yeah, they're always good. It actually would be interesting to see how many, how many games this Joseph Sulai plays. Yep, yeah, seventeen year old kid. You know, been playing pretty well in reserve trials, hasn't he? Yeah, so. and you know, like I, I think it's kind of weird. You know, it's almost like if you if you if you're good enough, you're old enough, sort of thing. And you know, this kid's seventeen, but he's massive. He's not. You know, he's yeah. He's, he's no twig. He's uh, looks like he can handle himself physically, and um, you know, yeah. the game loves unearthing these young stars. You know, um, so he might be the next one. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, you know, he's got all big wraps on him, so who knows? Yeah. Right? Like, could be anything. Nugget for his grand final. <clears throat> he's got the Rabbitohs and the Raiders. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I reckon the Panthers will play the Raiders in the grand final, and I reckon the Panthers will win. So you've got so. Panthers-Raiders. Yep. I've got Souths-Penrith. Yep. Nuggets got Rabbits-Raiders. So it's all... It's all a bit of a mix. It's all a bit of a mix between us, but we all have, you know, three teams we've all... So it's basically going to be out of those three, we think. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're <laughs> like to call us experts, so I think... Uh, yep. I think we yep. probably get we'll get it totally wrong. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> well, we will get nowhere near it, I would suggest. So we might have something random like the uh, the the Cowboys versus the uh, Tigers in the grand final, or something random, <laughs> something along those lines. So, uh, well, very good. Well, nice. I'm looking forward to it, Streety. It's going to be a good year. Yep. Tomorrow night, season kicks off. Uh, Souths down at Melbourne to yep. start the season. That's uh, a pretty good way to do it. Yep. Um, Got a bit of a tip for tomorrow night's first game? Oh, yeah? What's that? No, no, I'm asking you. Oh, do I? Yeah. Uh, uh, well, who do you think will take it? The game? Yeah. I think I think the uh, South will win. What? So in Melbourne? Yeah. No, nah, I reckon the Storm will take it, mate. I'm going against you. Going against me. All right. Yep. Yeah, and even though the tote, so the bookies have got South. It's pretty even. Like $1.85 versus $1.95. Yeah. So, will the Knights roll the Bulldogs in the uh, Who Cares Cup game on Friday night? Oh, probably, but it's, are you going to go? Uh, no. No. Oh. I'm not I'm not going to see the Bulldogs play live unless they show me something better than what they already have. <laughs> so, no, I'm not bothering. So, can't uh, be bothered. Cronulla, 
for the punters out there, Cronulla has a horrendous week one record. Yep. And we are playing an away game at our home ground versus St. George paying 220. Now, even though I've picked the Dragons to finish last, do not be surprised one bit if the Dragons end up winning this game. And so you can double your money and then some if you get on the Dragons. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm. So that's probably my tip of the week. If you want to win some money, get on the Dragons to beat Cronulla. I hate saying that. Oh, the other but, one is uh, the Warriors to beat the Titans. I think the Titans might be slightly overrated a little bit. You reckon? Uh, it'll take a little bit, a little bit to click. Yeah, okay. After a fast start. Right, yeah. Well, there you go, punters. You heard it here first. That is the Sports and Spit 2021 NRL preview. That's right. And before, one, one, one more thing. Who's going to win your Dally in Player of the Year? Got to pick your... Uh... Uh, Jack Whiten again. I think he's going to go back to back, mate. Yeah, I'm going to go Cody Walker. Are you really? Cody Walker. Player of the Year. Yep. He's, wow. he's in for a big one this year, I think, Cody Walker. That is huge. That is a yep. huge kind of... That's changed. Well, I didn't Let expect that. Let me just that. check. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if I can find some uh, premiership winners. Uh, well, Penrith are at five bucks. Bunnies at five fifty, and the Raiders, the other team, are now you know, Trist. Yeah. Is that they're paying ten bucks? Yep. Um, the Knights twenty three. Cronulla thirty four dollars. I'd actually hit them for a top four bet. Would uh, would be not 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 bad value. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to find the. It's probably not going to find it. Top try scorer, season wins. I'm trying to find the Dally M odds. They might be hard to find. Anyway, Dally M, Cody Walker. We'll find Cody we'll Walker. find them somewhere. Right. Yeah. It would be remiss of us not to have a quick summary of what's happened since our episode in January. So a bit of water's gone under the bridge. Plenty's happened in the world of sports. Yeah, so why don't we start, Strudy, with the Australian Open, one of the biggest local events to finally get off the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Back in January when we were talking, we were making some predictions of what would happen, whether the event – I believe we were talking about whether the event would go ahead. Now, the event went ahead. It was run. It was won by Novak Djokovic in the men and Naomi Osaka in the women. Did you catch much of the Australian Open, Strudy? Mate, I'll be honest, I did not see one single serve. <laughs> I, I watched zero tennis. Like I uh, – th- th- there were no fucks to be given about the Australian Open this year. I I, I didn't devote an ounce <laughs> of energy to it. Um, yeah. I, and at times I actually forgot that it was on. Did you? Um, was that because man, it occurred later in the year or is that just because your interest in tennis is waning? A bit of both. And, um, you know, I also kind of – thought that uh, in Tennis Australia's money grab um, trying to get this event off the ground, yeah. Um, I, I think they, you know, they put potentially the safety of the city of Melbourne, considering what they've been through the last six or 12 months. Yep. Almost I felt like they they put their, their open ahead of the wider sort of population. I kind of feel in a way that Melbourne sort of had a bit of a, Rebellion kind against the tennis as well. It's it's pretty well received and one of the highlights of the Melbourne sporting calendar. But sure. I also think that people were maybe a little bit put off by the the whole event and the media circus surrounding that. Especially yep. when you had some players coming over and you know testing positive and not wanting to quarantine and yeah. you know and that guy that had tested positive and then was allowed to come and all that sort of stuff. So 
Well, that, they were the two big controversies around the tennis this year, weren't they? So the first one was the one that you just mentioned where basically everybody, not everybody, there was a lot of controversy over the fact that the players had to quarantine in hotels upon arrival. Now, some of this controversy comes from the playing group where they say they were ill-informed of what the requirements would be. They would have so, known. So some of them said that they weren't told that they would need to. Now, you've got to remember, though, the actual rules did change mid-plan here, as they have during COVID for the whole of 2020, mind you. So I do support the players' position here that what they were told was, was that you'd be allowed out to practice during the day. You, were, you would be allowed out for a certain period of time to go to the courts or to go and train and work out in a gym. Now, unfortunately for those players who arrived in Melbourne first up, that wasn't possible because there was an outbreak of COVID in Melbourne, but there were also some positive cases on the planes that those players travelled on. Mm. And, and so there were positive cases returned from the travelling party and therefore they weren't able to do that. So, I, so there was that particular controversy and, and everything that kind of went with it. And then you had the condescending kind of pictures that were being kind of posted on social media by people like Novak Djokovic who were quarantining in Adelaide at the time where there wasn't the lockdown and they were able to get out. But Novak was posting a photo saying that he was happy to do quarantine at a table the size of my house, right? Yeah. Like, and so his, I mean, his particular endorsement for it wasn't, you know, I, look, honestly, the guy's a dickhead. So Yeah. So, and what was that photo of him on that park bench somewhere sitting by himself? That kind of did the well, round of the news for a few days. Well, he had a balcony, I think, where he was quarantining and he had people with him and, you know, all those kind of things. So it's a bit different for him. And it was a bit different for some of the stars as well. No surprises. The two, the two eventual winners of the tournament were actually quarantining in Adelaide and were able to do the preparation that, that was kind of promised to them. So there'd be a bit of logic behind what the players are saying. But I think you're right, Streety. That led into the second controversy that during the actual um, Open, there was a public outbreak in Melbourne, uh, obviously from from at that same particular time, and the city went back into a mini lockdown. And we had the very unusual scenes of the Australian Open organisers having to clear the crowd out at midnight, yeah, just before midnight, in on about day five or so of the event, in order to actually meet the conditions of the lockdown. So it was a huge kind of like those were two huge controversies that I did I do think turned the Melbourne public against the Australian Open a little bit this year. Um, and also I think people find people like Novak Djokovic and, and some of the other players pretty hard to take, you know, like, I mean, some of the bullshit they've carried on with. As much as we might not like Nick Kyrgios sometimes, He's had a pretty good point over the last year that Novak Djokovic is a bit of a dick and no one really likes him and he doesn't quite read the room very well. So yeah. did um did Nadal and Federer come out? I've got no idea. Sorry, Nadal came out and Nadal played. Um and and played well, but got defeated in, I think, around about the fourth round. Yeah. Um and and you know, probably referenced he hadn't played much tennis and was, you know, carrying a bit of an injury. Federer chose not to come out um, and his wasn't without its controversy either. The public reason that Federer gave for not coming was because of a knee recent knee surgery and he wasn't fully recovered. But what came out 
what actually happened was the the player liaison manager for the Australian Open, the guy who talks to them and organises all of this, for some reason, I don't, I'm not sure exactly why, he leaked that the conversations that he had had with Federer were more along the lines of because of the quarantine conditions that he would have to face, he didn't want to bring his family out because he was allowed to go and get out each day and go and practice, but they would have to stay in the hotel. <coughs> Pardon enough. me. Yep. And and so if if they weren't coming with him, then he at this particular point in his career wasn't prepared to travel without his family. All right. So yeah. Um, so I think it's all quite reasonable. I think that's actually probably what we would do. You know, we've both got families. I can kind of understand his position in, in that particular situation. Um, so, you know, I'm not sure why Roger wouldn't have come out and said that. Like, I, I don't know why. They no, he's a nice guy. Probably didn't want to start it. He thought, you know, these PR team probably thought recovering from a knee surgery is, um, you know, oh, well, fair enough. Yeah, okay. Yep. No worries. Yeah, I, but I, yeah I mean, I get that. I guess that's sometimes, though, why I think, public the public sentiment can turn against sports people when they just be disingenuous about things like i really like roger and i think he had a really valid reason there for not coming and i think there would have been a hell of a lot of people that would have just understood that and just said yeah fair enough it's actually a pretty shitty set of circumstances you don't want to come don't come you know you've done Mm. enough like so you know i mean he probably wasn't going to win the tournament anyway so i think he probably could understand that but Anyway, there was still some cracking tennis played. Like it was a, it was a pretty, yeah. good, pretty good tournament. <clears throat> when I said earlier that I didn't catch any tennis, that was actually a lie. I did, I did happen to catch the last half hour, and I did unearth a potential third controversy, oh, yeah. which may not have been a controversy here in Australia. Yeah. But uh, I did notice that Goran Ivanisevic, the great Croat tennis player, yep. was the coach of. Djokovic, who's a Serbian. Now, as we all know, <laughs> Croatia and Serbia yeah. have had a bit of a testy last 30 years, uh, yep. mortal enemies yeah. um, during the early 90s. Um, yep. Absolutely. Part of their, their separation from the Soviet state and Yugoslavia and, and you know, got, um, you know, pretty, mm-hmm. pretty wild there for, for, for a time. And obviously, you know, those sort of wounds have sort of been uh, healed. But I, I did um, make a remark to a friend of ours that I said, if had, had, had this have been... Back in the nineties, you never would have seen you know, a Croat coaching a Serb to a, a, an open title, and no. I also wondered whether or not there was a certain sections of old school, you know, um, people within those respective communities who didn't like the look of a, you know, um, you know, even Isevic is a coach of um, Djokovic. Mate, all I know about all the old Croatian and Serbian blokes that I know is they don't have to have a controversy to fire up, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> they get fired up when it's too hot or something, you know, there's a lot of hand gesturing. There's a lot of, there's a lot of feigned disgust at anything. So to be honest, that being a, probably a real controversy, I, I would suggest there's a little bit of talk about why that particular relationship exists and, and why they, they basically do. But look, it seems to work. I mean, Novak might, might be a bit of a dickhead off the court, but he couldn't have been stopped on it. He was, yeah, he was by far and away the best player there this year. Yeah. Um, and and Goran Ivanisevic probably has a lot to do with that. He was, like, Djokovic is a guy who just steps on your throat and you've got to find a way to get him off. And and he just doesn't. And so, you know, so Goran was a little bit like that, you know, like when he played. So, yeah, I think the coaching relationship seems to work okay, but... Yeah. Now, Roger Federer is universally regarded as the goat of tennis. 
Yeah. Djokovic is only one or two majors behind him. Mm-hmm. Now, it's, it's very conceivable that Djokovic probably has a bit more gas in the tank and yeah. may very well overtake uh, Federer and Dahl in the, um, the most amount of majors, Grand Slams rather won. Yeah, I think you'll get there. Yeah. <clears throat> does that then entitle, if you win the most majors, does that give you the automatic title as the greatest ever tennis player? Uh, look, I reluctantly would have to say it probably does. Um, I mean, that's always been the measure in tennis of, you know, what, what are people chasing? They're obviously chasing majors. But, you know, I never saw other people play, but the game is, like, tennis is one of those games that's fundamentally different today than it was back when Rod Laver was playing, right? Like, and, you know, and we often talk about the comparison of eras in different sports. Novak Djokovic is definitely by, by far not the best person to have ever played tennis, but he's probably the best player to have ever played. Like, I don't, I, like, I think he'll get, he'll get that major record. Like, he's still got plenty of gas left in the tank, whereas Nadal's just holding his body together with a thread and, and Federer is largely on a farewell tour anyway. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I agree as well. And I also think mm. that, you know, you can separate that tennis argument from other sports because tennis is an individual sport. Mm. Whereas, you know, you, you rely on, on a never set of changing rules in, in team sports like basketball and football and yeah, things yeah. like that. And ultimately you have teammates that you, you have to play with and mm. you know, um, officiating and, you know, all that sort of stuff can influence outcomes. Whereas in tennis, it's just you. Yep. Yeah, doubles, but um, yeah. Yep. Overall, the tennis did not excite me one iota. So well, what about the cricket, Streety? There'd been a bit of cricket played. You were a bit off cricket as well. Oh, I still Is am. You still off cricket? We have to question yeah. why we're actually doing a sports car, a sports <laughs> podcast. If, if, if I'm not liking well, these sports, let but... me let me raise a sport that you will have paid attention to. I have no the, love for cricket at the moment. I like the, playing it, but watching the, it's just terrible. The NBA, right? Oh so yes, there's been a lot happening in the NBA, which is great. What's been your take on, firstly? the development of the Brooklyn Nets as a championship contender. They recently added Blake Griffin, who was obviously released from his contract with the Detroit Pistons. Does that make them a championship favourite? And then we'll talk about the all-star game that happened earlier this week. Well, if you talk about the Nets, I think that they were probably a championship favourite regardless of whether they added Blake Griffin or not. Mm -hmm. I actually had a bit of a sneaky bet on them before the season started, well before wow. the James Harden trade eventuated, yeah. um, and and the Nets were you know had had some healthy odds then, and there's no doubt they've shortened significantly since that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, you know if if you look at that Nets roster and their role players surrounding their their, their three best players, it's hard to sort of find where Blake Griffin is going to take minutes away from other guys that are you know contributing in there. You know. Yeah. 16 to, to 18 to 20 minute a game sort of slots. And that's the sort of court time that you would expect he would, he would play sort of, you know, but he, he may cut, he might cut carve out a, a bit of a role as a seventh or eighth man. And, you know, it also gives the nets, you know, a bit of a um, opportunity to sort of rotate and rest some of their, their, their top guys like, you know, Kevin Durant, obviously, you know, um, is probably going to spend a bit more time, you know, taking games off and, and, you know, preparing themselves for the, for the, the stretch run and the playoff run when, when that happens. 
Yeah. Same for Irving. Um, James Harden's fairly durable, <coughs> so I think he'll be the one constant. Um, and you might even find that his level of play, you know, there might be a case for James Harden to make a bit of an MVP push mm-hmm. um, during the, the second half of this season, you know. Yeah. I think the PR surrounding his exit from the Rockets and, and how he went about getting out of there will ultimately sort of rule him out of that race. But um, if you talk about pure numbers and, and all that sort of stuff, then by all means, Harden's going to be in that talk. Um, he won't win it, I don't think. But, um, I mean, as a championship you know, threat, yeah, man, they're going to be hard to beat, you know. It's just going to come to can you outscore them four times? Um you know, their, their defense is uh, not fantastic. Um, and you're just going to have to devise a way to you really just, you know, probably play yeah. a bit of bully ball. Yeah, that's, that's a way to, to, to beat them. Play a bit of bully yeah, ball. I, if you try and outshoot them, it's not going to happen. Probably. No, that's right. If you try and run with them and, and, and kind of, you know, outscore them in that sense, you're probably going to beat a bit of drama because they've got more firepower than most teams. I feel like, though, the addition of Blake Griffin, we're not talking about Lob City Blake Griffin. There's no. a reason why Detroit released him. He's lost his athleticism. He's not going to have an impact on the game as he, as he used to, um, the same way he used to. He's still going to struggle a little bit for size. I think that physicality that they, <clears throat> that they need to have won't be there in the playoffs, and I think they might still struggle. Um, I, I still think they'll go deep. I'm not saying they won't, but I but I don't think they're a championship team this year. So yeah. Um, even with the addition of a Blake Griffin. But, you know, any team with that much talent, with Harden, Durant and Irving, if if they can get it together, then, mate, I, yeah, you wouldn't want to be coaching and playing against them. I mean, put it this way. If you're in <coughs> a seven-game seven series and you wind, wind up in a game seven, Mm. I mean, I'll be, I'd be taking the Nets no matter who they play. Yeah, uh, th- 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 those three guys, um, you know, they can each one of them can put forty on you, and they can all have you know double double digit assist games, and you know yeah. they, they've got role players that are good enough to, to to give you an eighteen to twenty point game just being on the end of passes, basically. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, I I probably still like the Sixers uh, to eventually wind up in the finals. I'm not sure anyone has an answer for Embiid at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah. for me, is the MVP of the league so far. Yep. And barring any injuries or any yeah. you know, second-half stinker um, for the remainder of the season, it's probably, you know, I would think that it's his, it's his award to lose. Um, yeah, it would seem like he's probably done enough at this point to be considered that way. I I agree with you that the big worry for him will always be longevity. So will he make the end of the season and will he yeah. will he be injured at that particular point in time? It'd be a shame to see him because like, like I think he's been the best player so far. Yeah. And also too, like with with the Sixers, I think, you know, the addition of their coach with Doc Rivers, it's it's probably solidified <clears throat> players' roles within that team. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and a bit more of a pecking order. You know, I think that with uh Brett Brown in years past, there's always a bit of a, a tendency to sort of, you know, well, this is Ben and Joel's team, you know what I mean? And mm. things like that. Whereas, you know, I think that that pecking order has been a bit more established um, as to the, the 1A and the 1B. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and to Ben's credit, I think he's probably played better uh, without mm. having to, to, to have that um, that pressure of, you know, being the, the number one guy and, and the pressure to put up 20 a game and, you know, I think he's playing. He's he's had a really good stretch the last sort of month and a bit, um, 
and I actually think that he'll he'll end up winning Defensive Player of the Year as well. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he's yeah. a good shot. I, I would hope so. I mean, I hope people recognise that. You know. So. Yeah. Um, there's been some games where he's just, uh, you know, guarded the team's best player, and you know, there's uh, he can take one through five, and he just gives the perimeter players a lot of trouble, and that's uh, kind of where championships can be won and lost this year. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, what did you think of the All-Star game? Um, I watched the first half and then I went and did something else for the second half and just looked on NBA.com for the, the box score and uh, see who won MVP. But, um, you know, it was all right for five or ten minutes, but, you know. That's um, a money grab. You talk about the Australian Open being a money grab. That's a that's a ridiculous money grab. That's just all yeah, about totally. revenue. Yeah, totally. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's just a waste of time. But anyway, yeah. I didn't watch any of it, but good luck to them. So, yeah. uh, like, I, I actually, I was working from home that day and I had it on in the background, but I just didn't actually pay any attention to it because it wasn't worth oh, it's it. It's kind of weird that the most entertaining and enjoyable part of the whole All-Star experience was the three-point shootout. Yeah. <laughs> Usually yeah. it's been the dunk comp into the game and the three-point shootout sort of, you know, being distant. Yeah. Um, you know, but now it's sort of like the, the, the feature. Um, yeah. You know, you've got more he- headlining participants, you know. Yep. Um, everyone wants to watch Steph Curry shoot, shoot the ball. Yep. Shoot it well. Um, you know, the, the the dunk comp really has gone to the shit lately. So, you know, I think we've lost Maka. So we might uh, take an ad break while he rejoins us. And he's back. Hey. Don't know what happened there, mate. Technical problems. Technical problems, but for a while there, your um, video had uh, come to a, a halt. So I just um, had a, uh, a frozen image of you with your mouth wide open and, and your eyes closed. So it was oh, kind of a, uh, scary. Uh, well, I've, I don't want to say too much, but I bet you've seen that on a couple of drunk nights before. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not from yourself, big man. <laughs> oh, very good. Yeah. Well, um, Anyway. Yeah, so yeah, NBA All-Star Weekend. One thing I didn't like was the jerseys. I thought they were terrible. They, oh, yeah. they, they had that whole Blade Runner look going with the font yeah, the jerseys. Yeah. yeah, they probably didn't have much time to get that organised this year. So no, no. Hopefully they'll, they'll, have that, they'll have something better next year. So what about the NBL, Streety? Before we get into the footy, let's just cover our other, still in our favourite sport, but have you seen anything in relation to the NBL, mate? Not many games. I have been keeping tabs on the decal controversy, though. Um, mm-hmm. So the biggest story of the NBL, NBL this season hasn't necessarily been the games itself. Um, yeah. I'm sure the level of basketball has been of a pretty good standard, yeah. uh, which is which is great. Um, but the, and aside from uh, the NBL turning Lamelo Ball into a, a Rookie of the Year candidate, mm. spells um, you know. Good things for the future of the league, been able to uh, develop these young stars. In saying that, I'm not sure how much the NBL actually had to do, but I'm sure it's helped Lamelo in, in some some capacity. Yeah. If we talk about the latest uh, controversy, is the material that they're using for the court, the stickers on the court to advertise the sponsors and and the yep. league logo. This is the uh, Deckel debacle. The Deckel debacle have mm-hmm. so they have caused. Some concern amongst players of their slippery, and obviously mm-hmm. there's a lot of decals on the court um, mm-hmm. because the league needs some money to operate, so we're going to show the sponsors. But players are concerned for their welfare and the slippage factor. Yep. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like there's a weekend that goes past without someone slipping over. Um, and 
you know, and, and actually experiencing a bit of a problem with the decals. So it does seem like it is a real issue for the players and the Australian Basketball Players or Professional Basketball Players Association. Uh, Jacob Holmes is the chief executive, the, the, I think he's the chief executive officer there or whatever he might be, has come out in support of the players' position saying they, you know, they want the league to change these decals. And even one of the Sydney Kings major sponsors, Bryden's Lawyers, have gone to the extent of directing the NBL and take their logo off to take their logo off, right? So this be, is a real controversy for the league. Would be kind so, of ironic if that uh, that if a player got injured off a compensation lawyer's um, mm. advertising logo, yeah. <laughs> player ended up using that well, same sponsor to sue the league. <laughs> well, I did see the the comments that were made by the principal um, partner at Brydon's who effectively referenced that, that that they couldn't afford as a as a firm that basically made their name off you know litigation they they couldn't actually afford to have that particular risk it was too risky for them you know yeah. so um, i mean it's, it's a pretty simple solution like you know this is 2021 right so either mm-hmm. you take all the decals off the court and you just yep. have electronic signage around the court you know easy yeah. or or surely there's another material that you can print print on that has more of a matte or, or a tiny grippier surface that prevents slippage when when you when there's sweat dropped on it. Like it's it seems to me like it's a it's mm. just p- putting a sticker down that you can actually get. Mm. You know, you go to Bunnings, you can buy all sorts of gr- Gorilla Grip tape. Yeah, really- and and uh, and the solution seems so simple, and and when that happens, and 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 somebody's not taking that solution, there's usually one of two things happening: either you, we don't know exactly how complicated it is, which doesn't seem to be the case in this instance. So what was probably most likely the case is that the league doesn't have enough money to do that. And, and I think what we're seeing here, Streety, is the first indication of financial trouble within the NBL. And, and, and because the first thing that you would do is protect your athletes if you were able to. You wouldn't take the risk, right? It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, you, and you wouldn't have this PR debacle. If you're able to fix the problem, you would fix it, right? So, yeah. um, so I th- like I think in this particular instance, there's, I think you know I start to get worried because I think the NBL might be one of the first professional leagues in Australia starting to show some signs of cracks after COVID and the delayed season. Stress. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean another way around it is you know you, you can use different materials to stick on the court, but you know. How many sports leagues now on their their broadcast superimpose, you know, um, images mm. yeah, on the right. court? Yep. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's easy. Yep. <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, it would seemingly be, right? Like that's, you know, it's certainly a very common practice. So um, so you would think or hope that they would start to do that. But if there's money involved, then that may be the case. Maybe the broadcast rights partner doesn't, you know, in Fox and SBS don't want to actually kind of invest in that technology or use it on their broadcast. But, you know, that you wouldn't want this controversy if you didn't have to have it. So it's a bit worrying, I think. So mm. Yeah. Mm. So when, we, when we're talking about uh, other made-for-TV sports or sports on TV, um, with some recent showings on network television and, um, you know, the COVID situation almost coming to an end, but, you know... Um, People have sort of uh, consumed a lot of 
watching hours over the last sort of 12 months because, you know, what are we now? This is the 10th of March and all this COVID stuff started to happen, you know, exactly a year ago when stuff started to get really, really hectic. Yeah. Um, there's been a whole bunch of different sort of sporting type TV shows come to light. Uh, one of which was a uh, the Holy Moly Golf one. Yeah. So, Papa Golf, you know, is a bit of fun activity. Um, I'm not sure it translated too well to a TV show, although the Denise Drysdale incident did uh, have a spike in viewers <laughs> when she when she chased the mascot after being electrocuted and fell over and she tripped <laughs> up. So yeah, you know, much like the uh, NBL decal um, uh, controversy, the yep. Holy Moly Golf Course with its undulations on the um, on the, on the checkered green surface. She tripped up and fell over and busted a shoulder. That was uh, uh, some, some quality television. I love a good celebrity stack. That's always pretty fun to watch. Yeah. What, a, what about, Streety, these particular shows that are coming back now that are a little bit along the lines of the it's a knockout type ones, right? So holy moly. And the other one, the ultimate tag one or whatever it might be. Streety, is... Is this a case of we went for a year without sport virtually and there was a long time without live sport across the world? Are we that desperate to watch someone compete against each other that we would be happy to watch this sort of stuff? Or what do you make of it, mate? Mate, I kind of think that um, if we... COVID has, has brought a lot of opportunities, you know, for, for growth, for, for people to think outside the square. They've had 12 months to do it. So... You know, things may not go back to the how they were beforehand. Mm. Um, so I think out of that, there's, you know, with the whole streaming and being able to use Zoom and, you know, like uh, people are getting a little bit creative. Yep. Uh, and to rehash some of these school guard classics, um, you know, and you know, the, the tips game is a bit of a tips versus parkour versus, you know, gladiator, all that sort of stuff. Um, obviously, it's a uh, something that's well, you know, received by the kids out there. Yep. It's something they, they can then go into the schoolyard. If I was cricket, I would feel really threatened because no one plays cricket now. Mm. Uh, you know, you, you drive you drive around your work day and you see all these cricket strays, their little little cricket camps in the, in the school playgrounds, trying their hardest to, to, to get kids interested in cricket, but I just don't think it's working that well. But if you can get a good tips game on TV going and, you know, kids are running around the playground at lunch and jump over stuff and, and, bring, and bring that in. I'll tell you one game that I played at primary school that I thought was a, a, a ripper and uh, it was called sticks, right? It, it, it would make a great <coughs> TV sport. Mm. So sticks was a game where you get, you know, three sticks of any size and you yep. have teams and you had tennis ball and you, you, you lean the sticks up against the wall to form like a, a bit of a, an arbor, right? Two sticks mm -hmm. leaning up and one, one across the top. Your team had, had to roll it. So you roll it or throw it against the wall but if it hit the hit the ground and bounced off the wall and someone caught it, you're out. Right. But if you knocked the sticks down, everyone ran away. So then then it became a bit, bit of game of like brandings. Yep. Then and then you had to sort of you know run around and not not get branded with the ball, run back and you have to put the sticks back how they were and yell out sticks. And right. then you know you and then you got to go again. So you know th this was a game that had a bit of everything. I think that potentially could be a really good uh, reality TV made for TV. Schoolyard sporting game. Well, it might belong there because, see, where I grew up, we had, well, TVs. And so we didn't play that shit game. 
<laughs> so, so, yeah, TVs. You watch what you. Just, I'm talking about the schoolyard. I know, I know, I know, I know. But that sounds like something you guys probably had to do down in the ACT because well, there's fuck all else to do. So another fantastic uh, schoolyard <clears throat> game mm. re- ready for me. Imagine brandings. Like imagine a, a TV game <laughs> like for brandings. Brandings. That would, that's actually not a bad game. Well, we, we think, used to call yeah. it war ball. So yeah, you know, yeah, you'd yeah. Uh, you'd just peg the ball as hard as you could against the wall. Yeah. And if you were caught, you'd have to just piss bolt and touch the wall without getting hit. Did you guys ever play that game where you had to flick footy cards against the wall and the person who got the card closest got to keep both cards? Like, is no, that... we didn't do that. We played the one in class where you got a 20-cent coin. Oh, yeah. played table footy. Oh, yeah, you table footy. Three, three pushes. The, ball had to, the coin had to go to the edge. You had to flick it up and catch it. Yeah, yeah. That was a try, and then you had to spin the coin on the table Catch it with your thumbs. The other person make goalposts with their fingers. You had to flick it yep. over. Yep, yep. We Version. played that. Yep, yeah, definitely. I wonder who came up with those games. So, because <clears throat> that was definitely in my school too. So, yeah, that was a big one. So, yeah. Oh, see, we, we were finding sport wherever we could, right? So, so you know, if we owned a TV network, I'd be perusing. Uh, you know, I'd be I'd be quizzing kids that sort of uh, grew up in the uh, went to school in the nineties. You know, what schoolyard games you play? Yep. and then try and derive a sport from that. Uh, we have yep. we have a changing changing world. It's a good idea, mate. It's a good idea. Now the last before the, thing, for the footy the Olympics. The Olympics. Let's talk about the Olympics. They're still on. Now, what is happening though? What changed just today is that the government of Japan and the Tokyo Organising Committee announced that it would not be possible for fans from overseas to attend this year's games. Now, this may seem like a fairly obvious decision to most of us and probably one that we would have all expected, but it's still pretty big news because there were still over 900,000 tickets already sold to people outside of Japan (coughs) to attend these events. So when you talk about financial impacts on on sporting events, this particular cancellation would be huge. Like those 900,000 tickets now have to be like refunded and then hopefully resold in a, in a country that's experiencing, you know, a lockdown like most others are. Yeah. And Um, financial, you know, hit aside, do you think it's actually that, that big of a deal? Well, I think the thing is, is that, it, it doesn't seem like a big deal today after the year that we've had where a lot of sporting events have been played behind closed doors. I don't think it will change the fact that the games will go ahead, but I think it's a big deal in the sense of um, the this won't just simply be... So the thing we have to remember here is, Streety, you know, the casual fan like you and I not getting to go and use our tickets on our holiday to Japan is probably not the biggest impact here. What will be the biggest impact is if they are not able to make an exception for the sponsors from international, from other countries, because what comes with a sponsorship of the Olympics is usually an allocation of tickets to any number of events throughout the games. And that's used by those companies to basically bring, you know, people in and entertain them and give them a good time and those type of things. Those companies would then, so, so the cancellation of overseas fans attending, if they don't give an exception to sponsor, like fans linked to sponsors, 
you are going to see sponsors then not have to pay a lot of the money that they would normally have for the Olympics. And I think it will mean that, you know, that there's a big kind of um, a big financial hit to this particular Olympics. Now that's relevant, especially for Australians, because what also happened since our last episode was that Brisbane was named as the preferred host city for the 2032 Olympic games. I was going to bring that up. And so, you know, that, okay. What does that actually mean? Like, is 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 it likely that Brisbane will actually host the Olympics in twenty thirty two? It virtually it it means that virtually that that the Olympic Committee has identified Brisbane as the only city to progress to the next round, and the next round is basically a one to one negotiation with the organising committees of of the IOC and Brisbane to work out how the games would take place in Brisbane, right? So the only way Brisbane won't get it is if they shit the bed from here, basically, right, to, to use terminology, you know, that kind of defines it. Basically... Well, given the Queensland government's track record with the whole yeah. COVID situation. Yeah, 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 <laughs> that could happen. That could happen. But basically... you probably won't be around to handle the Olympic bid. Yeah, the, um, the actual awarding of the Olympic Games process has changed significantly since a lot of the controversy around the bribery that has has like you know has impacted on a lot of previous awardings of the games and and so there's an independent committee set up by the IOC that basically makes this this recommendation to the overall IOC that there is one preferred host city and the IOC only negotiates with them from here on out to basically identify whether the games can be hosted in that city. And, and really it's now, a, it's virtually a certainty that Brisbane will be named as the host city of 2032 because they're technically the only, they're the only city left in the running. And, and so, you know, unless they basically ask for, you know, a ridiculous amount of money from the IOC to host it, then, which they would have done before now anyway, then they're going to be hosting the games in 2032. So a particular cancellation like this does have far-reaching effects because some of the sponsors that are involved with Tokyo would most likely have been expected to be involved with Brisbane. But if they're not getting what they want from their sponsorship, it may be likely that they jump off and don't sponsor the games in 2032, which you know can have fairly far-reaching effects for that, the ability to put on something. So anyway... Yeah. I'm excited. I'm going to be in Brisbane in 2032. I'm already investing in an apartment up there, so I've got a place to stay, to be honest. So, you know. Nice. I'm in. I'm all in 2032 Brisbane. Bring it on. So That's good news. So uh, Australia, three major cities all becoming Olympic cities. I'm not sure there's any other country in the world where you can say that your three leading cities mm. are all Olympic cities. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a bit of trivia. We'd have to find that out, but I think you might be right, Streety. I reckon, I, I reckon I've just... Uh, Made a question and answered it in one. Yep, absolutely. So that makes us the greatest sporting country the world has ever known. Absolutely, mate. No doubt about it. And, uh, yeah, I it's think... Strange I... way of looking at it. <laughs> yep. No, nah, but fuck it. Let's look at it that way. It's our podcast. Yep. We can do whatever we want. So. Brizzy 22. Yep, definitely. What do you think the mascot would be? Oh, surely... Um, Jesus, I don't know, actually. What would you have? Would you have a cane toad? What, like, we, what does Sydney have? have? Sydney had the um, platypus... We had Ollie, Millie, and Sid. And was one of them were, a koala? Uh, one of them was not a koala. One of them oh. was a platypus, I think, wasn't it? Like one platypus of them, and a kidna. And a, and a wombat? 
I think. Is that right? Was it yeah. an echidna, a platypus, and something else? I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that right now because I'm just uh I'm I'm intrigued. But it was Ollie, Millie, and Sid. Um, <clears throat> a duck-billed platypus. Kenny the koala for the the Brisbane mascot. Yeah. So sorry, it was so Sid was the platypus, the duck-billed platypus. Ollie was the kookaburra, and Millie. So it's Sid, Ollie, and Millie, and Millie was the echidna or spiny anteater. So well, odds on, it's got to be a bloody koala, considering the oh, shit they've been on. through the last twelve months. Yeah, koalas, koalas would be like fully just pumping in, in twelve years' time. They, they would explode in population. Yeah, they'd be riding a high, and uh, they'll be Australia's number one native animal come then. And uh, so I think we'll find the koala will be the uh, the mascot and a bit of a yeah. tie into the the Brisbane Bears. You know, yeah, from, from back in the day. So there's, there's a little bit of history there. Mm. And, so here's uh, a bit of trivia for you, Streety. What was the name of the mascot for the 2000 Summer Paralympics? Oh, I hope it wasn't a koala. No, it was a frill-necked lizard and its name was Lizzie. So, yeah. and they're... Original. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's right. It sounds like they gave about five seconds of thought to that. So, Jeez, you'd be pissed if you're a kangaroo. Like you're the iconic, you know, uh, that that animal adorns a national airline. Yet can't get a start for Olympic mascot. All yeah, the teams are called the roos, kangaroos, boomers. <clears throat> maybe that's why. Maybe that was just because it was too obvious. So, Got to showcase some other native animals. Yeah. Oh well. All right, Shruti. Good job. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll post the link obviously to this show you know on our social media page but feel free to leave your comments for your top eight predictions premier predictions dalian predictions wooden spoon predictions we'd love to hear if you think differently to us and uh we'll be back soon enough with another episode adios see you guys bye bye <laughs>